Halsey. I'm Alex. <laughs> and unfortunately, That's... Alex Hernandez could not be with us today, so Alex Oster is the Alex in question. We are here today to talk about WWE Battleground 2016, and also to talk about the first episodes of Raw and SmackDown, respectively, after the brand split. History in the making, right? I feel like we have to just jump right in, because we have so much to talk about. Battleground kicked off this year with a tag match that was on the pre-show between Brizongo and the Usos, and... The only reason that I'm not skipping the pre-show match, and that I just feel like we should mention it here, is that that match was really fucking good. Like, right. it was it was five minutes long, but Brizongo, like, as a tag team, I was not expecting to like them, because it definitely seemed like something that the writers and the producers threw together. Not necessarily, it didn't feel to me like something those two guys sought out. You know what I mean? Oh, totally, yeah. It seemed like an afterthought in the uh, the gold dust and our truth mix-up. And those are the two pretty guys who have g- gimmicks that are possibly sort of a little bit gay. Let's put them together. And um, those guys are killing it right now. And I just wanted yeah. to give them some credit for that. Because <laughs> I think yeah. they deserve it. You know, like, the men of NXT haven't quite caught my attention the way that I feel like they were supposed to, as they have to, mm-hmm. like, the larger internet communities, but Breeze had that like stand-up guy quality to his work there. I am okay. glad to see him be part of a grouping here that is working out for him and seems to be gaining momentum with the people backstage. Like he definitely yes. has that work under his belt, and it's pretty cool to see it actually happen. It is, and also props to Fandango who could just show up to work and collect a paycheck for doing a couple of dance moves and basically, you know, having squash matches where he lost for the rest of his contract. Um, Shout out to both of those guys for clearly still caring a lot and working hard to get back to the top. The fact that they went first on this card that is so stacked where basically 99% of everything was so good and they still killed it was awesome for me as a fan. I really appreciated that. Fandango's top rope leg drop is one of the most dangerous moves to someone who is doing it. That messes up your spine and all kinds of things. And just one more props to to him for following through that hard to pick up a move like that. Um, yeah. When he really could be coasting much more than he does. Moving on, because I don't want to spend the entire thing talking about the dark match. (laughs) We have to talk about the most important thing that happened at Battlefront. Okay, the most important thing. Bailey finally made a main roster debut. Sasha couldn't couldn't stop smiling on her way to the ring. Couldn't stop smiling while Charlotte's standing there glaring at her. And then the second that Bailey's music hit... um, Oh, she just she stopped fighting it and just just let herself enjoy it and she had gear made to match Bailey's new gear. Can we oh, can we I talk know, about beautiful. her? And then she wore that gear again <laughs> the next night when she got the championship. I I just yeah. love her so much. <laughs> God, I'm so proud yeah, of Bailey. Like, she killed it. But um, to anyone who's listening to this podcast, I'm sure you follow 
Bailey and Sasha on Instagram and Twitter and and everything. Um, But to see how much Bailey has wanted to be a part of, I mean, the main roster to say it that way diminishes it, but to be, to, to, to be a part of the other women she came up with and to be included with them and to be recognized along with them by the people in the back to finally get, her chance to be here and to have the crowd love her so much and the other competitors love her so much. It it was the most emotional moment all week in a week of extremely emotional moments. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, again, I, it meant a lot to me. It was, it was great. And, and man, did, uh, did Charlotte have fun working uh, Sasha and Bailey in that match? Not enough people talked about that. Charlotte was in her element. She she clearly loved it, and um, I just I just love those women so much. And no no shade to Dana Brooke. Dana was good in that match, um, but we we had all been waiting for Bailey for such a long time <laughs> that it was just it was it was really magical. And um, as a fan of women's wrestling who followed Bailey through her many struggles in NXT before she won the championship and finally rose to prominence, I was just really really proud. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, before I start uh, crying all my eyeliner off again about Bailey, uh, uh, um, uh. the uh, the Wyatt family defeated the New Day in a six man tag team match, which is probably the last time we're gonna see the Wyatt family together for a while, right? They they got all split up in the draft. Yeah, it's been hard for me to accept like. Luke Harper being gone and Braun replacing him a little bit. So so yeah. to see them be split up is a little less impactful than it, w- than it would be otherwise. But it does seem as though they're all going their own way um, between Rowan getting his own vignettes on Raw and Bray and Strowman not interacting on SmackDown. All of these guys can work, and they always have a great time. And I yeah. like Xavier's um, character work that he's put into this feud. Yeah, I, I think right. I think he and Bray have been taking a special, a special pleasure in the last time they're likely to interact in a long time, and that's been a lot yeah. of fun. You know, what's almost kind of a shame about it is that I felt like they were kind of teasing the possible breakup of New Day, like maybe Xavier would betray them. And yeah, I don't want New Day to break up. I should, I feel like I have to say that. I, I love New Day, and I want them to entertain me for many years, but um, I really want Xavier and Kofi to feud. Yeah. The arc that you could tell of Xavier becoming brainwashed and a puppet of the Wyatts and joining them and fighting like as a zombie because he has the the acting chops to pull that off. Oh, and then Biggie and Kofi have to like rescue him. <laughs> like that's a month long program easily, and it's a shame that they never quite got to tell that story. I yeah I to be honest that's what I they wanted of... right. 
I feel like it has to be. It has to be. First of all, that whole like video thing that they did to lead up to this, the the spooky right. shaky cam thing, was clearly patterned after the final deletion. Right. And why would you do that if you're not implying the possible split up of a tag team? Because that's what the final deletion is for. It's Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy going to war with each other, sort of. Or Matt Hardy going to war with Jeff Hardy, I guess. I just, yeah, it's disappointing that they're not going to do it because that arc would be a lot of fun to watch. It would not be difficult for those guys to pull it off because those guys clearly like each other, like working each other. This match was good. And and it's clear that with Bray on SmackDown, you know, they changed up his costume. They had him kind of get into yep. Dean's space a little bit when he was in the ring at the beginning of the episode, um, you know, before the entire episode basically went to shit, uh, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> Anyway, so moving on, Rusev defeated Zack Ryder by submission, and Lana came to the ring in a very distracting white outfit yeah. that looked a little too much like a wedding dress. I think that was on purpose, right? I think it was, too, and it threw me off enough that I wasn't really paying attention to anything Rusev and Ryder were doing for the first couple <laughs> minutes of the match, because I was trying to figure out if they were going to do like a fancy story arc with Lana about the wedding, and I was thinking, oh god, I hope that doesn't happen, because they've trained me to fear the possibility <laughs> that they would do something stupid like that. Um, well, as bad as the last year has been for Lana and and Rusev, do you remember how great it was when he won the hero medal in a segment that seemed just primed for a run-in, a distraction, an interruption, and they just had the hero medal ceremony all the way through to completion to give it to him? Yep. Like, to, to have the great Rusev! Bulgarian brute with his Russian bride, Lana, defeat little Zack Ryder boy in American flag underwear um, in a couple minutes was, ex I, I loved it. I had it. It was great. <laughs> so, so this is my thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have loved it, except that Ryder broke out of the accolade and then still lost. Hmm. And I'm not concerned about the accolade. Like I, I don't. I'm not one of those wrestling fans who gets so invested in whether or not they build moves correctly. Because, guys, this is WWE. This is not New Japan Pro. Yeah. Okay. They're not. They're not going to build a rainmaker for for every guy. They're just. They're just not going to do that. They don't book with long term memory. Most. They of don't the time. really care about most continuity. Yeah. They don't. They don't really care. You have to. To be able to enjoy it, and I understand that not everybody can do this, you have to approach it like a comic book fan, where everything that happened before six months ago kind of matters, but only the parts that they say right. still matters. Like, that's that's just kind of how WWE books things. And we could we could talk about that for days, about the upsides and downsides of that, but the bottom line is the accolade is not going anywhere. Rusev still looks strong. He still looks like a big badass. He still has the championship. That's fine. Um, when Ryder broke out of the accolade, I actually had hope that he was going to win, and my hopes were crushed. And I was a little sad because I like that guy, and I'm happy for him that he's been doing so well since WrestleMania, even though he lost the Intercontinental title to Miz the night after. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I feel like Ryder is getting more of his due I, than he was for a number of years, and that he deserves that. 
and I want to see that guy do well. I want to see him. I want to see him have at least one more really cool thing happen in his WWE career yeah. before, you know, before he can go back to just being another guy on the roster. You know, like whether it's another title win or just a really great big dramatic match that he wins. It would be nice if one more of those things happened because I still feel like WWE owes him not only for basically forcing them to get with the fucking social media <laughs> picture already, you guys, but also they owe him for how badly they treated him for a number of years as penance for making them look bad by being better at Twitter than they were. Yeah. Like, they they owe him for having crushed him so badly. So um, I was a little disappointed at the end of the match and... You know, I mean, Ryder's a professional. He handled it with class. And having Mojo Rawley come out yeah, um, yeah. recently and, like, you know, do the, the thing of being his partner, you know, they're bringing the I hype bro. bros to the main roster, I guess. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I... I Mojo Rawley's not someone I have super strong feelings about, but uh, the hype bros, I think, are kind of popular with uh, with NXT audiences, or they probably wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. The question is whether or not they're going to do enough with it, I guess, to actually let the hype bros get over. Because you do have to get over again when you come up from NXT to the main roster. I think that there's room for hope there. Like, the last week has shown that they can put on an enjoyable show when that's the goal that they want to achieve. Like, right. So much of the past year has been, it seems like the company actively spiting the audience and the last few weeks and this past week in particular, like it's just been a good show. Here's what you want. Here it is. Like, um, we've gotten like 80% of the stuff we've been talking about for the last six months. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I think the hype bros and Zach in particular, like he's back on TV after being gone for oh, yeah. so long. And he's definitely in a better place than he was. Yeah. So I think that I think that there is hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. We shall see. Um, so uh, we got to talk about the match of the night, <laughs> which was uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Um, and it was the longest match of the night. It was 18 minutes and 22 seconds. Yeah. There was a lot of emotion in this whole pay-per-view. The Shield and Bailey and all kinds of things happening. But this, yeah, was the matchup of the night for me, too. And I know that you've seen more of the history of these two guys than I have, so you were probably less uh, surprised than I was. Um, When the draft happened, I was a little sad that these two had both been drafted to the same brand. I knew that Mm -hmm. the the feud was about to, to end, but the way that they've been built, I'm like, how can you keep these guys on the same roster and not have them continue what they're doing, but also how do you do that and keep it fresh? And this match blew me away. Yeah. I was not expecting it. I wasn't prepared for it. I was completely stunned, and it was great. 
I had a feeling in my gut that they were going to keep them on the same show because the week before the draft, they released a Fight Forever t-shirt yeah. in the WWE shop, and I I totally agree. Um, let those guys fight forever. It was interesting to me that they built this match talking about, well, Sami Zayn needs to fight Kevin Owens one more time so that he can let this go so that he can continue with his career. And then on Monday Night Raw, they were like, well, we can still make them compete for the same <laughs> things because they're great, right? Like, you, you guys will watch that forever. It was like, yeah, yeah, we will. I genuinely mean this in a non-slash-fangirl way. I, I literally, like, I don't, I, I am under no illusions about those, the fact that those dudes are, like, both married to women and have a strictly, like, platonic brotherly relationship. But those guys love each other so much. <laughs> um... Like, oh my god, the the chemistry that they have in the ring and the trust that they have is unbelievable. Um, when Sammy did that little spot where he did the springboard and landed on the apron and knocked Owens down and, you know, just barely had enough time to catch himself by getting his hands underneath him so that he didn't smack his head into the apron, it was it was just gorgeous. And... The selling of the ring psychology with his shoulder. I mean, I was into it enough that the first time I watched it, I actually was like, oh, my God, is Sammy's shoulder okay? Um, And, of course, you know, I look at it now, and I'm like, (laughs) it was stupid for thinking that. But that's how good those guys are. They dry you in. They dry you in. You know how often fake injuries don't look realistic in wrestling? It's like most of the time. And, I mean, that was that was on the level for me, like the, one of the gold standards of that, that was on the level for me of like, you know, when Sasha went after Bailey's hand in takeover Brooklyn. And I was like, you bitch, how could you do that to her? Like I was, I was so mad at Owens for going after Sammy's shoulder. And Oh my God, it was, it was just such a beautiful match. I, I think my favorite moment is when Owens was like all punch drunk and leaning against Sammy. Cause he couldn't stand up. And Sammy sort of like, you know, cupped his face like in his hand like maybe i'll be compassionate and caring and you know maybe everything we've done together is going to cancel out how badly i want to beat you and then he let him go and was just like nope it doesn't uh it was it was just great it was just great yeah um, like i liked the continuing evolution of of owens's character where yeah like they've talked about in in vignettes and things and they showed when they were together on nxt that they were friends who cared about each other but blah 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 when owens was pleading with sammy to stay down and when zane was like contemplating with himself whether to go for the second haluva kick um, the just raw kayfabe emotional moments of those matches and the ability of these two guys to sell them and make them land, like, that's art right there. That's that's yeah. exactly what needed to be done, and not everybody can come close to making that happen. I I mean, most WWE fans probably have seen a little bit of their work from before they both came to WWE at this point. Because WWE doesn't make it a secret, you know? I mean, even if you didn't watch NXT, you've probably gone on YouTube at least once if you're the kind of person who cares enough to watch the pay-per-view. 
And you can find their matches, you know? I mean, they don't hide that 14-year history. And even if you don't know the details of it, even if you don't know that they were in a tag team together once, and then there was a betrayal, and then they were feuding, and they fought over titles, like, even if you don't know any of that, you still know enough for that feud to have the weight that it's supposed to have. And to be able to just independently of that also just really enjoy the quality of the wrestling and the the beautiful chemistry that they have with each other it's just it's just really really rare really really special um i feel really frankly grateful that i got into wrestling at a time where i got to watch some of the stuff they both did in NXT before they came up to the main roster and you can really appreciate now, you know, how much those guys deserve to be at the top. Yeah. So uh, moving on, um, Natalia had a match with Becky Lynch that was nine minutes and four seconds long. And when this match started, my reaction to it on Twitter, um, oh, God, another match I'm really invested in. I'm already a little emotionally wound up because everything that came before this on the card was awesome. And Zayn and Owens had me so like so hyped up. And it was disappointing. Yeah. And it's not Natalia's fault, and it's not Becky's fault. It's the writing. They're not writing anything for them. And they did it on SmackDown again. Yeah. They they put them in a match with, I mean, little to no promo time, if there was any. I don't even think they got any on SmackDown. They didn't. They put them in a match where the commentary was trying to tell the story for you. And look, it... (sighs) It is the responsibility of the wrestlers, to some extent, to tell you a story when they're in the ring with just the wrestling. Some of that has to be there. I, But you can't fucking do it on your own. And you can't do it when WWE has this consistent product where they've trained you that matches that get promos before them and get video packages are important, and matches that don't are not. Yeah. And... Natty and Becky were a cool-down match this time around, and the only reason they were able to be a cool-down match because of the way they wrote it. Like, those two women are not wrestlers who have just, like, idly insignificant matches that they don't care about. They both give it their all. And they're being given nothing, and it's very frustrating to me. Yeah, like, I always enjoy Natalia's, like, chain wrestling style but to contrast it against Zane and Owens, where I was already being like, hey, do we need another match with these two? And they proved, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Those two characters right now have a ton of history, have a ton of conflict, have a ton of leeway within within the ring to tell the type of story they want to tell. Whereas Natalia and Becky... Their characters don't have a history. The stuff that happened to Becky over the past few months doesn't matter in this feud. And that's ridiculous because those two have a personal history outside of WWE. And it would not be that difficult for them to use it. Exactly. Exactly. They've known each other for over 10 years. They both wrestled in Japan together. They both wrestled for Shimmer together. Um like they Becky has said that she looks up to Natty and considers her to be someone that she goes to for career advice and for support in navigating this place that she's at right now and Natalia has talked about the fact that she thinks that Becky is one of the best wrestlers of her generation that's you know 
that's going right now. Like, it's just very, very frustrating that in addition to all the really cool stuff that WWE is admittedly doing for the women right now, it's very frustrating that they are still getting this particular thing wrong, especially after they went out of their way to tell us that Becky is the face of the women's division for SmackDown. And Brian talked about Becky being his genuine first choice and she's the best. And that's why we wanted her and we care about her so much. And we think she'll do amazing things for us. You have to let her do amazing things. You can't just set her up to have matches where the matches themselves are supposed to matter. Like, without any support from the narrative. You have to yeah. give them something. It's not that fucking hard. I know you know how to do it. <laughs> Why aren't you doing it? Yeah, like, e- even when the work is good, if there's no character motivation, if... Why weren't they fighting again? I know Natalia turned on <sighs> Becky because... She turned on Becky. She wasn't really jealous. And... She was... Yeah. She turned on Becky. That's it. That's what she did. That's it. That's not enough. No. And there's no excuse for that to be it. They they have so much reality to draw on. They have a writing staff. They can make any type of fiction they feel like. Uh it's unconscionable. It's <laughs> It sucks. It sucks. I'm really angry about it. And Becky is the only one of the four horse women who's never had a WWE title. And, like, I'm not one of those wrestling fans who feels like the title is the only thing that matters. I'm not, I swear. But she needs the support from the narrative because of that particular thing in a way that the other horsewomen don't as much, you know? Bailey, every time she comes out to have a match on the main roster, is always going to be a former NXT Women's Champion. Sasha is always going to be a former NXT Women's Champion. Charlotte is always going to be a former NXT Women's Champion. Becky doesn't have that in her corner. And Becky deserves it. It just, it didn't, it didn't happen before they needed her up on the main roster. And I get it. I really do. But, yeah. You gotta, you gotta do something better. You got, you got Becky Lynch, and you're not entertaining me. What is wrong with you, WWE? Like, it's not that fucking difficult. It's just, it's just not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work myself up talking about this more, and and that's, and that's bad. So, um, we should move All on. Right. The, the real cooldown match. The real cooldown match was uh, Miz and Maurice versus Darren Young. This was weird. It ended with a double disqualification that wasn't even overtly stated as such. I had people tweeting me yeah. while I was live tweeting the pay-per-view asking, what what just happened? And I was like, I don't totally, uh, like, I don't, it wasn't a forfeit or anything. Like, what was it? It wasn't really clear. It was awkward. I am happy that Darren Young is getting a push for a number of reasons, but one of them is that the character that they're going with for him seems to be, like, all-American guy. You know, he's kind of a jock. He's got a coach. He's training to be the best. Like, that's that's a thing. And you don't get to see that many openly gay people of color in a character like that. And I feel like the fact that he is, even though his, his sexuality hasn't been made a part of his WWE character, um, I feel like the fact that he's in that spot matters. You know, that's know, important to me as a queer fan. I, I appreciate that. Um, and Bob Backlund alternates between being like i think kind of a a positive force and being like kind of weird awkward comedy it's certainly strange 
It's a little it's a little weird. Yeah. I do think that Bob Backlund seems to have a genuine emotional investment in whether or not Darren Young does well. Yeah, like the there um, my immediate reaction to this is that it seems like a lot of effort for a kind of like strained Donald Trump preference make Darren mm. Young great again, but on the other hand there have been some pr- pretty decent em- emotional moments um between the two of them and they do have some real chemistry as a like mentor and mentee relationship. Yeah. It's kind of sweet and for a company that so often kind of does bad comedy. Yeah. There's enough heart here that it does kind of work for me. I was disappointed that this match ended in a disqualification. On the other hand, if Darren Young is going to be going after championships and consistently having this like arc of, I'm trying to get my way back to the top. I want to be a big, important guy. Like, you know, as long as he actually gets there at some point to some degree. (laughs) Yes then I'm okay with him struggling on the way to get there. Also, I thought the fact that somebody finally got one over on Maurice was was a little satisfying. Even though I I will say I love Maurice. I'm happy she's back. I think that the stuff that she and Miz do as a power couple is great, in part because you can tell they actually are completely nuts about each other. Yeah, you know, like, not a great match exactly, but I can't really complain either. It did what it was supposed to do, yeah. which was that it cooled things down before John Cena and Enzo and the club and before the Shield. And you, you you had to do those things. And I feel like if Darren Young had won the title, it almost would have gotten lost yeah. in the shuffle of everything else that happened on this card. So if they're saving that moment for the next pay-per-view, I'm okay with that. But it's coming. It's definitely coming. So moving on. We gotta talk about John Cena and Enzo and Big Cass versus the club. This was a good match, but the thing that mattered the most about this match was Enzo getting, uh, like, five, six minutes, maybe? (laughs) I think so. On the mic to just talk to us, and John Cena standing on the apron, laughing along with the audience. Reveling in it, yeah. Oh my god, he loved it, and... He didn't get in that ring until right before the end of the tag match. I mean, he he won. He scored the the final pinfall, but yeah, he was watching himself get replaced in real time, mm. and he was totally totally okay with it. He was happy about it, and I loved it so much. I was so proud of Enzo and Cass for having come so far, having watched them in NXT, and really happy about the passing of the torch there. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a lot that I've enjoyed about the components of this feud. Um, I've loved like AJ's work. I've loved seeing the club um, talk on the mic and joke amongst each other. I love hashtag beat up, uh, beat up John Cena Enzo, since they debuted on Raw, and before then, too, but, like, once they got the call-up, has never dialed it down from 11. They have just been no. going 100%. The- and Enzo was hurt for a while, so that's yeah, really impressive. Yeah, yeah, it didn't even, it, they didn't, it didn't feel like, in hindsight, that they skipped a beat at all. Um, but the big thing that 
could only happen in this matchup that none of these guys could do just by being who they are is seeing Cena appreciate, enjoy, like, back um, Enzo's mastery of the microphone. God, that was great. It's, it's the the happiest I've been watching the product, um, except for the biggest other moments for Sasha and Bailey <laughs> and Dean. And it's been a good it's been a good couple of weeks, guys. It's been pretty good. It has. It has. It's been really nice. It was really validating to see to see that the top brass is getting behind Enzo and Cass. You know? Like they haven't always been so great about figuring out how to let the NXT call-ups do the things that made them important in NXT. And they did here. They did. They let Enzo show off his mastery of the microphone and they let him and Cass, you know, set the pacing of that match. It was just it was very generous and it benefits everybody. And you can tell that John Cena appreciates that and I feel like that matters in a way that it wouldn't have if the guy appreciating it right there on the apron laughing the whole time wasn't John Cena. The fact that it was John Cena definitely made it cooler. He's been so good as, like, not the main character of the show. Like, his last year and this year so far, to see him relax and not be overexposed, not be overpushed, to have, like... Yeah, the crowd will chant, John Cena sucks, but they love it. It's out of love. You can tell. Yeah. It's been so fun. (laughs) So, we gotta talk about the shield. The shield. My first reaction to this, honestly, is why are we having a shield triple threat for a title at Battleground? I would agree if the rest of the show weren't so good. Like, this was mm. not the afterthought pay-per-view that Battleground usually is. That's true. And that's my one my one counter-argument to that. It was a really good match. The problem that I had was that I had spent so much emotion on everything that happened before yeah. that I had nothing left to give them, and they're the shield. Like, those are my guys. I could not get emotionally invested in this the way that I wanted to, and it was airing live i did go back and i watched it after and i thought that all of them were really good i really felt for roman in this match because there was so much pressure i feel like he's still in a position where he can't help but fail even when he's doing a really great job and he was really good in that match i mean he had a little bit of ring rust on him for sure i'm not i'm not going to deny that and i think that that is going to happen to guys who haven't been wrestling for 10 years who take a month off you know like I it's going to happen for him in a way that it didn't for Seth when he was coming back because Seth has been wrestling now for I think more of his life than he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um it's just I I was frustrated for Roman, I suppose. And also between the beard mm-hmm. and the way he comported himself at the house shows that we saw footage of on Twitter and the little promo that they had Roman cut in the alley with his hair pulled back where he's all, like, sweaty and looks really good. Um, uh, I was really expecting them to turn him heel, and I was very disappointed that they didn't. I... Huh. 
So, so okay. First things, I never expected Dean to walk away from Raw against Seth and keep the title. I never expected him to get through Battleground with it. I'm so fucking proud of Dean Ambrose for having it, for keeping it, for working as hard as he's worked. He's, he's my favorite. Like, oh my God, yeah. I can't believe it. Second off, he is lovely. Um, I am more hopeful or or believing that this is the right direction for Reigns than I have been since the Shield was still together. I think, like, he's still. You're gonna have to sell me on that. That's fine. That's fine. I do agree that it probably hurts him to be in the position that he's in. Just in a personal sense, I think he takes right. the input of the crowd hard. But Although, not as much as he did. Yeah. Not as much as he did. He's definitely doing a better job of blocking it out when people are booing him. Yeah. But to be de-pushed to the extent that he didn't go over on Raw, that he didn't go over on this show... That he was booked as a powerhouse. He was booked as a an amazing tank. Uh, the first sign of of burying the hatchet between Seth and Dean in order to take him down. Jesus, I didn't even think about that. It was so Oh my god, it was so great. I mean, they okay, I did, I'm not going to lie. I did mark the fuck out for the two of them working together. I did not personally interpret that as the two of them burying the hatchet. Probably not forever. And probably, probably not because, not Seth, like, Seth did pick up a fucking chair right after they did it and hit Dean. And I think the not thing true. I tweeted was, look, baby, you knew I was a snake. Like, <laughs> you know. Oh, right on. Come on. Right on. Right on. It's still Seth Rollins. I'm not saying they're friends now. I'm saying that's as friendly as they have been since that's the ending of The true. Shield. And it was, that that is important. We haven't even seen anything close to that. Uh, I mean, aside from, I guess, that's the friendliest they've been without Roman being a part of the equation also, because there was the triple powerbomb at Payback last year, and I won't let anybody ever forget about that, because that's really important. Roman was still standing between them. It wasn't Dean putting someone on Seth's shoulders. Yes. Um, It was pretty cool, I thought. Um, Yes. But so, for Reigns to be booked strong and quiet, and not somebody who has to win, somebody who can lose. I I love um, in his match against Finn. Yeah. When Finn did the double stomp to the back of his head. Oh my god! Like I knew that was a, oh man. I thought Roman was dead. It was beautiful. It was uh, that's one of the coolest moves I've ever seen pulled off in wrestling. I. Love Okay, so we gotta talk about we gotta talk about that 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 match. Like while we're 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 gonna talk about a lot of the stuff that happened on Raw. Like, okay, so the thing for me that was incredible about that match is how much Roman really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, Finn was incredible, and I expected him to be. I mean, he's Finn Balor, and it's his first night on Raw. He's not gonna blow it. Right. You know, I mean, he he can handle a stadium crowd many, many times that size. So uh, he's he's a bona fide main event star. And I do feel in my gut that if they had made any decision other than letting Finn win when his opponent was Roman, that it would have screwed him. Yeah. 
And they're setting him up for a match with Seth, which is going to be incredible. Those guys are going to put on a show. You know they will. My question wasn't, should Roman have won? My question about that was, should Finn have had a different opponent altogether? Mm -hmm. But... The fact that it was Roman was kind of interesting, right? Yeah. I got off topic, though. I wanted to say, just like, I really, really (laughs) enjoyed how much Roman enjoyed that match. I mean, he was laughing and smiling throughout the whole second half. Like, who is this fucking guy? (laughs) Like, I I really love it when Roman gets opponents that are just a little bit smaller than him so he can throw them around. And I mean, Finn, like, smaller than him, Finn might be like... I mean, Finn is basically, like, the same height. I think he might be, like, a half an inch shorter or something like that. But he was um, light enough that Roman could pick him up for that deadlift powerbomb in a way that he doesn't do with that many other guys lately since the the hernia surgery. So um, that was was cool as hell. And, yeah, the the kick to the back of Roman's eye. I thought he was dead. And... um, So good. it It was great. And... The fact that Roman enjoyed himself so much during that match, to me, was a sign of one of the things that Vince probably sees in Roman yeah. as main event talent. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I don't think they ha- they haven't mismanaged the hell out of Roman's career because they definitely, definitely have. But a lot of guys can't go into a match like that with a guy who is that much more experienced than they are. And lose, and be okay with it. And Roman can. Yeah, you know he can because he loves what he does I mean, enough there that he can. Have been, been a few times over the past year where we've thought, oh, like is this a turnaround for the Roman Reigns character? And it hasn't been. Um, and yeah. this is still not long enough to actually tell if it is that. But if you Take it as the beginning of an arc where Roman is booked as powerful as he has been, but is still able to be defeated and yeah. either turns heel and turns on the crowd and and regains angry strength or whether he simply, you know, finds within himself again over the course of a year how to how to get a victory after just not being the top guy for... Man, 2015 was a long year of the company really trying to convince us ineffectively to like this guy. It was. The last week, like, I've seen enough people online being like, wow, this is the Roman Reigns I want to see. We needed to. Yeah. Yeah. We needed to see it. I felt like it was a smart chess move to keep Roman in the main event scene so that it doesn't completely push him down, but to take him out of the position of having the big match at SummerSlam. Yeah. And to use the fact that, I mean, Roman is a top guy in WWE, regardless of how people feel about that. He's a top guy. For him to have a match with Finn means that Finn is a top guy. Yep. And people who don't know anything about NXT who just watched that incredible match, don't have to do any math in their heads to figure out that Finn Balor is meant to be a big fucking deal. Right. And that was really smart. I thought that was shrewd. Absolutely. The fact that it was an incredible match on top of it, I was thrilled. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, like, to push Reigns all 
the way down would be a huge mistake. Yeah. Not only because that guy is a real talent, but also because yes. of the investment that they've put into him through booking already. But yes. you can keep him strong, and because of his past few years, a win over him matters a whole lot. You can have him struggle as a character um, in a way that improves his credibility overall without losing the effort that they've put into him already. And I think that's hopefully what we've seen the beginning of. It looks like it. I hope so. I hope so. And leaning on that S.H.I.E.L.D. history a little, but not so much that they're blowing all of it at once, yeah. is really smart. Because that is where he was the strongest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I still feel like the, the gun on the wall they haven't fired yet is a serious feud between Roman and Dean. Yeah. And I hope we get to see that someday because I genuinely think it will be great. In the meantime... There was enough stuff going on in that episode of Raw that I have hope for the future. A thing that I kind of want to see that I didn't really have any investment in before was uh, Roman versus Sammy. Yeah. I think that would burn the fucking house down. I really like the idea of the weird like clash of styles that you get there with Sammy being almost balletic mm. when he... When he moves and has all these beautiful, smooth aerials and combos and Roman just tossing him around like a rag doll. I, I honestly think that would be great. Yeah. Sammy is so skilled at the underdog, you know, to fight from underneath style. I am kind of hard pressed to think of a better matchup. It's, it's got to happen. They got to do that at some point. Yeah. Especially with WWE's current business model of oftentimes rather than booking like a long term storyline, what they'll do is is try to get your money by booking a dream match for basically no reason. <laughs> um, and when the dream match is good enough, a lot of times you don't care. Yeah, yeah. Um, it... But I hope they let those guys have some a little bit of story when they get to it. We got to talk about Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Um, Before we get to big stuff, let's just take care of a small note. I really enjoy the jobber matches. Yeah. Like, I haven't always been a fan, but in hindsight, to see how even, like, Ryback got over for a while, just squashing dudes, um, and to, 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 to look at it now with, um, f with fresh eyes, it's just kind of nice to see a powerhouse come out with a dude we haven't seen and dismantle them in 30 seconds and just yeah. stand tall. There's something to that that I haven't always appreciated. Also, I feel like we should say their names. So um, Nia Jax defeated Britt Baker. And um, Britt Baker had never been on WWE TV before, I don't think. And Braun Strowman, that was the match that most people talked about, defeated a wrestler whose name is James Ellsworth, who also, I think, wrestles sometimes as Jimmy Dream. Mm. Apparently, Ellsworth's line of any man with two hands has a chance <laughs> was an improv. Nice. He, he nice. just came up with it, and he came up with it in practice, and the writers really liked it, so they told him to say it. Pretty good. 
Yeah, I was I was excited for him, and he said it was a great experience. And I guess, I guess we know why he has a job. <laughs> uh, that's an offspring joke because he had an offspring tattoo. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, which one is the? He has a couple tattoos. That guy. Are you talking about the one on his shoulder? Yeah, the like fla- flaming. Sc- uh, oh no way! Line. Yeah, that's an offspring a tattoo. Oh, I thought that was like Punisher or something. Yeah, it, it looks like it. Bad comic book fan. Yeah. Um, I, sorry guys, I'm gonna give a fuck about Punisher. Uh, I may even have to edit this out so nobody comes for my neck. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, the jobber matches were great, and you you said, kind of said this before, I think it's a great point, that having a guy you're trying to build defeat a jobber means that they're not defeating somebody else that they work with every week. And that is a good thing, because it doesn't bury anybody that we're supposed to care about later. Right. It only makes somebody stronger, and even if the opponent is someone that we don't care about if it's an impressive enough display of strength that it doesn't matter yeah yeah and i thought it was cool that because those wrestlers had people um in the who were emotionally invested in them mm. i thought that was that was kind of nice yeah. You know, like Britt Baker, I guess one of her friends was in the audience with a sign for her and she was very excited. And I thought that was a good way for them to start building Naya. Yeah. And you got more of an emotional reaction out of the crowd than you might have if it was somebody that they were just inured to every week. Yes. Uh, Neville is back. Neville. We should, we should talk about that. Um, Neville is back, and it's wonderful. And he looks really good with the beard. He looks even more like a wood elf. <laughs> and I love that guy. Yep. And he can still do the red arrow, thank God. Oh, man. It must be so scary to have a leg injury. Like, for anybody, but for... For that guy. For that guy <laughs> in particular, yeah. Oh, uh, And I still, I still can't fucking believe that he broke his foot doing a baseball slide. I mean, come on. I've heard like, interviews that like that's just how it happens. You know, you yeah. you you do a high risk move every day, and then you lift up a power bomb wrong, like Seth, or you know, just yep. The basic moves are what get you. You know, you do them often enough, and that's just how percentages work, I guess. Wrestling is just not good for your body, no matter how you do it. Like, uh, Sami Zayn said that on Talk is Jericho. He's like, the bumps aren't good for you, but it's not the bumps. It's wrestling, man. Wrestling is not good for you. Damn. <laughs> Another little thing we should talk about. Uh, the Shining Stars had a match with Enzo and Big Cass. Mm. And, hey, WWE, in case, like, literally any of you are listening to this, which is r- the most improbable thing ever, um, that gimmick still is really racist and doesn't work and doesn't help anybody. Right. Like, Please stop doing it. We we have talked about this a lot. Have we talked about it on the podcast yet? I don't think oh, so, but okay. I, I bitch about it on Twitter pretty much whenever they put the Shining right. Stars on TV. Not because I don't want to see those guys. Right. If you're going to show me those guys, fucking do but something. But yeah, to go from gangsters to, to bullfighters, that's still a character completely based on their race. I, Primo and Epico are both decent wrestlers. Yeah. And they both seem like nice guys, and you do not need to base a gimmick off of somebody's ethnicity to get them over. It doesn't. In fact, it doesn't work. You should not. 
In fact, you should not. Even if you're talking about something that is less potentially hot button than the way Vince treats the Latino wrestlers who work for him, there has never been an ethnicity-based gimmick outside of possibly Eddie Guerrero, who was going to get over anyway because he was Eddie fucking Guerrero. There has never been an ethnicity-based gimmick that helped somebody. Lana? Lana's not really Russian. (laughs) No, but she lived in Russia. Okay, no, you're right. But part of why that's funny and awkward and weird is that she's not really Russian. If they had her going out there all the time and her gimmick was that she was Russian and she actually was Russian, I'm not actually sure anybody would have cared, to be honest with you. It's sort of like that scene in um, the Billy Crudup movie, the one with Claire Danes, where uh, where he's he's a male Shakespearean actor who plays female parts and they start letting women do it and he complains to the king of England or whatever that there's no art in it because you know they're not yeah. really they're 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 not pretending to do it like it just they tried to make Becky Lynch's gimmick be that she was Irish for like oh two my God. years and nobody cared. Yeah. That was how stupid and terrible it was that people missed that Becky Lynch was something they should care about. Yeah. Like, just don't do it. Please stop doing it. Um, please give Primo and Epico something else to do if you're going to use them at all. Anything else. <laughs> Literally, Literally anything, anything else. else. Anything else would be better. Thanks. Um, we have to talk about the biggest, most important thing that happened, like, all week yeah. long, yeah. Um, which was that Sasha defeated Charlotte for the WWE Women's Championship. So satisfying. <sighs> I'm getting tears in my eyes as we're talking about it. Um, How great was the Yeti Guerrero reference, the chair? Oh, my God. Like, I, I can't. I can't believe, and yet I'm so happy that they let her do that. Like, God, I know the night she won the championship. That's oh, <laughs> and it's it works so beautifully for these reasons. It works because it's Eddie Guerrero, and because we all know that Sasha, Sasha loves, loves Eddie. That Eddie was the reason she wanted to wrestle. It works because the audience knows what that yeah. is immediately. Yeah. They know Eddie. They know that moment. It works. Because Sasha cheated, like the sneaky heel that she is, and it works because Sasha cheating got Dana disqualified for cheating, which (laughs) needed to happen, which facilitated Charlotte did not only the moonsault from the top rope to the floor like she did at WrestleMania, but she also did the reverse moonsault into a forward senton. And... Those are things that she used to do in NXT. In fact, the moonsault into a senton was one of her big moves in the title match that she had with Sasha when they fought for the NXT women's title. And the fact that Charlotte finally didn't have anybody to cheat for her and had to dig deep enough to do those moves to Sasha, the implication that Sasha is big enough that Charlotte has to pull out everything in her arsenal and call back to those matches that they had in NXT that were so important for both of them. I'm getting really emotional talking about it because that's how much I loved it. I cried. I screamed. I was so proud. And I'm so happy (laughs) 
for Sasha. And I love that it was really hard for her to put herself together emotionally enough to cut that promo about being the boss and the most deserving and that she still got in that this is the era of women's wrestling. I was, I was so proud as a female fan and a big fan of hers. I was so proud. It was awesome. And, uh, just, just to, to win on raw too, to win a title change on raw. Um, Roman Reigns's win was the first time in years, right? Like, I think so. That's, that's a big deal. You know, it's, it's a different, type of deal than a WrestleMania win or SummerSlam win, but in some ways even more impactful. Like, And it wasn't a win on a rematch. Either. Right, right. And normally when they win the title on Raw, it is because it's a rematch. Yeah. I think. Or I a think. cash in, the- money in the bank. Right. Yeah. It wasn't anything like that. It was Sasha challenged for the title and fought for the title and won the title. Yeah. And won the title mostly clean i'm gonna say clean because she cheated yeah, to she prevent cheated. the other one from cheating it wasn't a she cheated to get dana thrown out right charlotte. yeah right she didn't cheat against charlotte and um that that match had so many great things in it um the only thing i did not like about that match basically was that it got cut by commercial and um i don't know if this is true i saw on twitter somebody said that sasha did her old straight jacket finisher from NXT, the the bankrupt during the commercial break, and if that's true, I'm I'm even more satisfied because that was that was such candy for me seeing them pull out stuff that they had done in NXT together, and the look on Charlotte's face when she's walking out up the entrance ramp and she looks back at Sasha in the ring with the title, and she's trying. She can't hold the pride back. It's, she's yeah. trying not to smile and she can't keep the smile off of her face because she's so proud. Um, I love women's wrestling <laughs> and uh, I really love the respect and the friendship that all of these women have among one another because I don't think that they would fight so hard to be taken seriously if they had to do it alone. I think it really, really matters that they have that camaraderie and that they support each other because I think that without that, they would not have been able to change people's minds. And I love, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I love that little girls watching the product, you know, are seeing that you can compete and fight hard to be the best and to be the most successful but you can also still be friends with the people that you're competing against. You never, (laughs) you never see female friendship with that much depth on television. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Most of, most of the people that write television shows are men and men do not write female relationships with that much depth. Um, it just, it doesn't happen. There's tons of those friendships in men's wrestling. Um, you know, Triple H and Shawn Michaels were always allowed to still be friends, even when they hated each other in the ring, you know? It's a thing that could only happen in wrestling right now, and yeah. most of the time couldn't even happen in wrestling. This is really yeah. new, and it's really it exciting. Um, out of all 
the change and churn and and creation of new characters, new new storylines, new realities that have come up over the last four or five years in in wrestling. The most compelling is the horse women and how they have changed the game for, for themselves and for everyone who comes after them. Yeah. They main evented an NXT pay-per-view and that has never happened before. And yeah. it's only a matter of time before it comes to the main roster to that degree and it's already yeah. it's already been brewing. It's happening. I mean, you you're absolutely right. I feel I have one more point to make about female friendship and then I will I can edit this out if I want to because it's my fucking podcast. Yeah. Um I felt like having Bailey come out the night before Sasha won the title was a really shrewd move. I actually the more I think about it, the more I'm happy with that booking because Sasha and Bailey have this beautiful historic rivalry that broke all these barriers. And I mean, they fought that match like friends, you know, and doing that works um, on the level I just described a minute ago where I was crying a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But it also works on another level, which is that Sasha now has the title. She's now at the top of the heap and Bailey, when she comes in, does not automatically have to go into the title picture. She can get established on her own first if that is what is required. And oftentimes when NXT people come up, that is what is required, especially when they're women. Um, And I think that the fact that she and Sasha got to use their friendship to their advantage, that Bailey's Bailey's entrance to the main roster and her introduction for the par- the portion of the audience that is less familiar with NXT, the fact that that doesn't all entirely rest on her previous feuds with Sasha, I think is probably honestly a thing that will work in her favor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But also, I just really love how much all those women love each other, and that's one of my favorite things about them. Yeah along with the fact that they're awesome and really successful. <laughs> yeah. It's a really good time to be to be a fan right now. We got to talk just a little bit about SmackDown. Um SmackDown really sucked this week. It really let all of us down. I'm excited for Dean versus Dolph because I know those guys are going to put on a really good match. Yeah. The biggest disappointment of SmackDown um no, I, I don't even know how to. There start were a lot of disappointments about SmackDown. Like if you, was if you had awful. cut out the middle hour and a half or so, you would have had something sort of watchable. Mostly, like you know, I I don't hate a lot of what happened at either end of the show, but the middle didn't seem to do much for anybody. Um, and that's a shame. It really, man. They blew the biggest opportunity that they had in the entire episode with the Eva Marie thing. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) I'll explain why. So we talked earlier about the fact that that match with Becky and Natalia was just a failure and that wasn't Becky or Natalia's fault. And then they bring out Carmella 
and Alexa Bliss, who have never been on television on the main roster before. Mm -hmm. And they barely get to say anything. And then they bring out Naomi, Naomi, who is coming back after months off of television Mm -hmm. and who, quite frankly, has struggled to stay relevant because they keep giving her terrible storylines and angles where they haven't made her look good. They failed her consistently. And then they have Eva Marie come out. I mean, she was basically like an attractive coat rack. (laughs) And they have this weird spacey voice of God thing booming over the mic talking about how great she is. And here's here's my problem with that. I talked about this on Twitter, but I'm going to say it again. Um, Here's my problem with that. If all of that had been immediately followed by a 10 to 15 minute match among all of those women Mm. that Eva Marie participated in where she cheated, Mm. it wouldn't have buried anybody. It would have helped them all. It wouldn't be keeping the audience waiting. Oh, God, I know. They would be actually showing them off. And then if Eva Marie wins the match... Because she cheated. You have a reason to hate her besides just a weird entrance. <laughs> you also have that weird entrance. The weird voice of God thing. Kind of setting her apart like that from the other women is an interesting mm. choice. Like, she's always going to be set apart because she can't really wrestle. Right. And doesn't really know how to talk on a microphone that well. But... Setting her apart like that where there's, like, this gimmick that only she has, if you build matches around that, then, I mean, it... It's something instead of nothing. It becomes a problem that the women have to solve and not a problem Mm. for the audience to solve. Also, if SmackDown is going to be the B show, at least make it a show where you do some risky creative stuff like that Voice of God narration that you wouldn't do on Monday Night Raw. Explore that a little bit if you're going to do it. Yeah. Do, do Try some weird shit. That's how you got the SmackDown 6 back in the day, is they did stuff on SmackDown they would never have done on Raw, and that's why people started watching SmackDown. You know, I mean, if, if the way that you get us to care about Eva Marie is by making, like, a, like a weird art movie <laughs> film choices with her, then okay. Yeah. At least you're doing something different with the media. You have all these like unlimited possibilities, and they gave us a SmackDown episode that felt like the worst parts of the worst episode of Monday Night Raw. Yes. And don't shit all over those women. All of those women, with the exception of Eva Marie, are really good wrestlers. Yeah. They could have done something there. They did nothing. I mean, it was stupid. so sad to, to see a match that was already between two women without really a character to draw on over the past few weeks having a retread match that ended in 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 50 50 booking and then have one after another you know i'm interrupting you and now i'm interrupting you and now i'm interrupting you and to to have no rebuttal to have no No match to have exactly to just have this series of events um, where no one looked good, no one looked strong. It was the most half-assed of int- of introductions to any of the the people we haven't seen yet. Just terrible. Just why? Yeah. Becky at the end be like, I know who a few of you are, and you know if you want to 
come at me, come at me, like anything. <laughs> I don't know why they thought that was acceptable. Yeah. It was just really, really, really disappointing. Um, after It was especially a letdown after the massive victory we all scored on Monday now that Sasha is the fucking champion. Yeah. That is still a net win for everybody. But if none of the effect of the women are really important now and get to have cool matches carries over into SmackDown, I'm going to be really sad for all of the women on SmackDown because, again, with the exception of Eva Marie, every woman that they picked for SmackDown is awesome. Yeah. You know, I I do have hope that that was just the first show and they wanted to just get some stuff done and maybe they had to take all of the bad ideas that they they usually have on raw and and pay-per-views and just have a place to put them and fine fine but please let next week be better than that show (laughs) it really needs to be it you know uh, if give me a reason to watch it every week and i will yeah if you book another show that is exactly like all the worst episodes of monday night raw that we have seen over the course of the last couple of years I'm not going to watch it, yeah. and I won't be the only one, and no one will watch it, and it will get canceled. Yes. Simple as that. Yeah. But anyway, Sasha Banks is the WWE Women's Champion Woo-hoo! right now. So, so. <laughs> Sasha, Dean, Miz, Rusev, and New Day are the champions of WWE right now. Yeah. And, uh, and either Finn cool. Balor... Yeah. Either Finn Balor or Seth Rollins is going to get added to that list That's right. after SummerSlam. That's right. Pretty good. It's been a good summer. Yeah. So we definitely need to wind down. I am reachable on Twitter as uh, Chelsea Comics, and the shoulders up Twitter is shoulders underscore up. And I'm Alex. I'm online at, at Boris Breakoff, B-R-A-K-K-O-F-S. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening.